0: The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 2 and will serve as today's sermon text. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth… For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you, you who have written the code and circumcision but break the law." For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Grace,
0: Grace, mercy, and
1: peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The last several weeks, we've been learning more and more what this means to live a right life, as Paul has described how we interact with each other, with the government, with with God. And today, we take a slight departure from all of those things that we're supposed to do and look instead on the inside. And perhaps there's some of us this morning that are in need of a heart transplant. Today, we talk about having that right heart Now, in today's society with social media, we're really, really good at putting our best foot forward, presenting ourselves well. Social media just continues to fuel this by showing the world only the best of what our lives have to offer. Yet with God, well, God cares far less about the external signs of your life, He's far more concerned with the condition of your heart. You see, God is after our hearts and he seeks to awaken them and awaken them with his power. And with hearts awakened, we'll, we are able to show love to one another and, and to follow God's law and be obedient to him. A gentleman by the name of Edward Butwer Lytton, who was a former secretary of state a long time ago for the colonies of the United Kingdom, he said this, a good heart is better than all the heads in the world a good heart is better than all the heads in our world taking some time this week to reflect on this text from Paul's letter to the church in Rome but well, it led me to realize that there's a lot of law in this text there's a lot of things that that hit me right between the eyes In my first season of being a pastor, my life was all about how everything looked on the outside. I looked like a successful pastor, like my life was all together, all my ducks were in a row, even other people's ducks were in a row. But my heart was another matter. Living a life with hidden sins, living a life with an extreme fear of rejection, It's led me to put on a false front, and I worked so hard to put a version of myself out into the world that people could look at and like and appreciate, and most importantly, not want to judge and reject. I could even go so far as to say that I was worshiping a version of myself, a version of myself that was far more false than any false idol ever was. Sometimes even going so far, I could say that I was going through the motions of my faith with heartless action. I was trying to show myself as keeping God's law as far as most people knew, but inside I knew that I was just like Paul when he called himself the chief of sinners. I felt so fake and phony. But on social media, my life looked perfect. And if I'm honest, even today I struggle with my heart being tempted to put so many other things before God. Here's my dirty laundry list. This is not at all comprehensive, but it is exhaustive enough for today's purposes. Here are things that I sometimes love more than God. My vocation as a parent, my vocation as a husband, My status as the new senior pastor at St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School. My own preaching. How other people feel about me as a friend or a pastor. The well being of the staff at St. Luke's. My finances. My Mustang, which is faster than Pastor Arp's. (laughs) (laughs) Which he says it's not the car, it's the driver the success of Goods and Grace, the well-being of St. Lutheran Church and School. And none of these are bad things, right? These are all good things to love. But the problem becomes when I love those things more than I love God. See, God is supposed to be my first love, Him and Him alone. Can you relate? What's the condition of your heart? Do you lead a social media life where your outside looks far better than the inside? Or maybe do you not do social media, but you do a pretty good job of looking down on other people whose lifestyle is not as good as yours. See, we love to use the law as a measuring stick. Only instead of measuring ourselves to God, we love to measure ourselves to one another. Right, compared to others, I can see that I clearly do a much better job than a vast majority of people. I keep my nose clean. I strive to be good. I go to worship on Sunday. And if I were to, to grade myself according to the law from a percentile basis, which I always love percentile basis because it wasn't an overall score. It was how I compared to others. I'm probably a good 90 percent percentile. And most of you are too with a few exceptions. It's easy to see ourselves that way when we compare ourselves using the law to compare ourselves to one another. But unfortunately, that's not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to compare ourselves to God. And there's a huge chasm comparing ourselves to God. And even if you're maybe this much better or this much better than the person sitting next to you today, you're still a chasm away from God. See, whoever is guilty of breaking the smallest part of the law is guilty of breaking all of it. The law can never be our means of achieving God's favor. Let's turn our eyes back to our text this morning. The text spoke a lot of law into my heart this week. God's words through Paul speak truth into our lives today. The reality is that all of us are guilty of breaking all of God's commands. And Paul writes these words today, you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. And again, Paul's words are every bit as important for us to hear today as the original Jews were hearing them when he wrote these words. Paul's point is that the true Jew or Christian is one whose heart has been awakened to the power of life in Christ. You know His will and you accept it. You're instructed by the law. You're sure that you you lead the blind, those in darkness, the foolish, and the children. And these are good and laudable characteristics. But what Paul is doing now is he's setting up somebody to feel pretty good about themselves, only to tear all of us down. He says, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? how do you do on those taxes do you waste time at work scrolling on social media or I don't know just doing anything other than what you're supposed to see at the heart this is an issue of contentment are we content with what God has given us or not money and the accumulation of wealth has been almost the single most powerful idol of the human heart And sometimes, maybe you don't steal, but maybe your version of stealing is not being generous, is accumulating and hoarding and building up great wealth without being generous to those who are in need. Well, if that doesn't get you, then maybe verse 22 does. You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? And these are issues, these are heart issues of faithfulness. And adultery is not necessarily a full-blown affair, but as Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount that whoever looks lustfully at somebody else is guilty of committing adultery. And this whole connection that Paul ties with adultery and idol worship is an interesting one because if you think about it, the church is supposed to be the the bridegroom of Christ. And any time this bridegroom falls at the feet of loving someone or something else other than the groom, Jesus. It is idolatry. It is adultery against God. This relational aspect of adultery strikes deeply into our relationship with Christ. And then if this wasn't enough, Paul goes on to say this last one, which was just a dagger into my heart this week. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, none of these words were easy to hear, but this one was the hardest for me. they sharp words. They sting. It's like Jesus telling Peter, get behind me, Satan. It was a shock to hear and read. It would have been hard for the early church to hear these words in Rome, but it's hard for us to hear today at St. Luke's as well. You know, this, is, this is how the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of us. When we go out and we live our lives at home and our neighborhoods or at work and we look just like the world, we blaspheme the name of God. When our words, when our actions, when our motivations, when the things that we say, think and do, do not reflect the character and nature of God, the world takes notice and looks and sees and says, if that's what it means to be Christian, I'd rather go to hell. So we have a heart issue today. Well, Pastor Tag, you made me feel like garbage. <laughs> Well, you know how I felt this week. But there's some amazing gospel to be shared. Jeremiah the prophet writes this is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. You know, all of us have the same sin sickness in our hearts. Because it's all about where we focus our love. And and we as humans, we love to worship creation instead of our creator. The good news here is that Paul is not talking about what we do. He's not talking about how good we are. He's not talking about how bad we are. It's all about what our heart treasures. And God knows. He knows the condition of your heart and mine. He knows that we truly love money, sex, or anything else or anyone else other than Him. He knows whether or not we truly fear, love, and trust in Him above all things. And this guilty reality in which we live is worthy of condemnation. See, we don't need to judge anybody else. We have enough judging to look at ourselves for the wrongs that we have done. And we realize that we have this incredible, deep-seated need to be saved. And Jesus' fulfillment of the law on our behalf, and out of love for you. Well, it's what drives him to make a sacrifice of his life in place of ours. Jesus' great love for us causes him to sacrifice himself in our place so that we could speak as the psalmist does. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me prophet Ezekiel says, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And Jesus teaching in that beautiful sermon on the mount says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, part of the gospel implied in this text is that God loves us above all else. See he doesn't just ask us to love him first, he loves us first. In God's list of the things that He loves of all of creation would name you first. Just let that sink in. More than anything else, in all creation, God loves you. In fact, He loved you so much while wow, you were still sinners that He sent His one and only Son to die for you. And it is Christ who lives out all those things perfectly that Paul talked about in the beginning of this text. He's the guide for a blind, a light for those in darkness, an instructor to the foolish, a a teacher of children. He He kept the commands perfectly. And He and He alone is righteous. And today, He not only forgives us, but He shares with us His righteousness so what do we do how do we get this heart transplant well we start with prayer somebody who knew a great deal of prayer wasn't christian but knew a great deal of prayer his name was gandhi and he said this prayer is not asking it is a longing of the soul it is a daily admission of one's weakness It is better in prayer, listen to this, it is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. We pray to let our heart communicate with the heart of God. And we dig deeply into God's word and we fall in love with it. And as we're soaked by the Spirit, when our souls are saturated with the Word, we learn and remember God's great promises. That when we love, we love because He's first loved us, and we fall in love with the work and the words of Jesus. We let Him be our number one love and never depart from it. We dig deeply into it, not because we were commanded to, but because we long to. God renews us with a clean heart, and he scours our souls clean. And with a heart that loves God, we all receive this heart transplant. Our bodies and souls, they're oxygenated by the Holy Spirit, and our veins are coursing with the blood of Christ. Our lives are transformed, and our hearts are awakened, and we have lives that live and reveal the heart that we have for God. The sacrament of the Lord's table enhances our heart transplant with a literal transfusion of the blood of Jesus. See, the love of God fills our veins and transforms our lives. And it creates in us this great love for the message of the gospel, for our relationship with Jesus, for our time digging deeply into his word, our time in prayer, our time that we spend as a lifestyle of worship, this transformed life that God brings to us. And the daily implications, the here and now thing that happens in our lives is that God's great love for us, Jesus' great love for us, has the power to bring change into our lives today. Not just our salvation for eternity, but change in our lives today. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds and the transplanting of our hearts. Others don't just see the actions in our lives, but they see the heart behind it. You know, two people can do exactly the same thing and have a drastically different result depending on what they're doing, if it's in love or not. Think about the last time somebody did something for you and you knew that it came from this place of genuine and complete love. Well, others around you can see the same in you. When you live your Christian faith, but it's one of grumbling and complaining and misery, it's It's not coming from a place of love, it's coming from a place of I've got to or if I don't, something bad will happen. But when your Christian walk happens, your obedience to God happens out of a love for God, other people know and can see that transformed life of joy living within you. See, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. And the key to that verse is God doesn't doesn't focus on the actions that you do, but on the heart that you have. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. He wants us to have a merciful heart that loves the law, loves God, loves one another even more than we love ourselves, and He empowers us to have a heart for Him and His will more than a religious observance of rituals. The spirit of the law is more important than the letter of the law. Faith always transforms religious rights, and faith always transcends religious rights. See, those who have the law and those who make themselves slaves to it will be the ones who are overwhelmed by it, but those who have had a renewing of their minds and a transplant of their hearts live free from the law live transformed lives of freedom to find blessings by keeping out the law and living a life of joy and desire to share their love to God. This message today is truly a heart issue. Do you love God? Then show the world by keeping his commands. And we're not supposed to be an example of a perfect life, but of a life declared right before God, And repentance and renewal for when we fall short. Do a heart check today. What does your heart love the most? And know that God's heart loves you the most. And may this bring you a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This morning's weekly awakening that we'd love for you to carry with you throughout the week and involve other people in your faith discussions are what competes for first place in your heart and why. This is the type of question that you could easily share around your lunch table today or perhaps around your work, school, or any place else that you find yourself connecting with other people. What competes for first place in your heart and why? Why?